Hey guys, I'm Caitlin Adams, and welcome to the Kirk Students Podcast. We're the student ministry from the Kirk Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you'll hear sermons from Josh Lyle, Colin Grant, and other guest speakers. You can look in the show notes for small group questions and talking points. Make sure you subscribe and share with anyone who follows Kirk Students. If you want to know more about us or get in touch, visit us at thekirk.com or follow us on Instagram at Kirk Students. Now, let's jump in. because you're going to need to follow through with me this morning. Um, We're going to do scripture reading a little bit different. We're going to do it as we go. Um, And we're going to read through chapter 5 of Lamentations. And so um, if you can, stay focused on the the Bible app with me. Um, Maybe put the little D&D on there. Don't, uh, you know, like silence your notifications or something. Um, But um, we are in this uh, book of Lamentations, and it is not fun. I'm going to be honest, it's really not a lot of fun, but it's necessary. Um, And so we're in this, we've been, as a church, we've been in the book of Lamentations for a couple of weeks now, and what we're doing is we're leading up to um, the celebration of Easter Sunday. So we're in a season of of Lent, we're in a season of waiting, we're in a season of, um, of mourning, We're in a season of regretting and being sad and sorrowful because of our sin. And it's, like I said, it's not super fun, Um, but it's necessary. And so um, what I want to do today is talk a little bit more about this idea of lament. If you were here with us um, on the first Sunday of this month, you heard Pastor Aaron talking about the dark night of the soul, and that was Lamentations chapter 2, um, and just talking about this, this um, difficult season of life, whatever that might be for you, where you are in a dark night of the soul, a, an incredibly sad morning season. Um, last Sunday, if you were here, you heard Josh talking about chapter 3, um, where it's like the only hopeful verse in Lamentations, and it's talking about um, how God's mercies never come to an end. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that's, that's just this hook that gets us. That God's mercies are new every morning, and we got to, to go through that last week. Um, and so today we're skipping over chapter 4, which describes the siege of Jerusalem, and we'll kind of talk about it a little bit, but we're skipping over that to get to chapter 5. Um, and so if you, let me give you a little bit of background. In the book of Lamentations, in case you've missed that in the last couple of weeks with us, um, in 587 B.C., the holy city of Jerusalem is destroyed. Um, God's God's people, um, God is faithful to his promise to his people um, when he says that they would be destroyed if they were not faithful to him. In Isaiah 10, 21, God promises he will allow the structures, the national structures that have built Israel to be what it is. He would allow that to be completely wiped out so that a remnant of Israel would return who would return and be faithful to God. And he makes this promise over and over again to Abraham and and to Israel, the people of Israel, and to Moses. And and he says, be loyal to me, and I will bless you. Be loyal to me, and I will bless you. And God is faithful to his promises, both for blessing and for punishment and for correction. And so Jerusalem is destroyed. Um, 
God's people are exiled, their homes are burned, their possessions are destroyed, their women are taken. I've got a picture of, of it. Um, their uh, families are torn apart. Their, the rulers of, of Jerusalem are, are taken captive. Everything is gone. The Israelites are now in exile, right? So this is the holy city of Jerusalem just burning. Um, and so in the midst of this, where the Israelites have lost everything, they write the book of Lamentations. And then they write these five poems of mourning um, during this, this exile of, of losing everything. Um, and I think that there could not, well, there could probably, but there also, this is, there's no better time really to talk about lament than right now. Does anybody know what lament means? Who can tell me what it means? Yeah, yeah, perfect, yeah. To reflect on your wrongdoings, to express sorrow, grief, regret, um, to, to be mournful of, of what you've done or of where you've been or of what has happened. Um, and I think because, like, I think that it is such an important time to be talking about this because we as a whole, we collectively, have experienced traumatic event after traumatic event after traumatic event. You, you guys don't know life without trauma in some sense. Um, you have grown up in a post-9-11 world. You know what it is. You, you don't know what it's like to not be worried about school shootings on the news, to not um, have practice a intruder on campus drill. These are not like these, these, this is the world that we live in. Not only that, but add on all the events of this past, this past year. But then on top of that, Many of you that I've sat with and talked with, many of you are going through personal trauma in your life. Many of you have gone through a huge life event in the last year as well. You've lost, maybe some of us have lost people that we love, had somebody diagnosed with a disease. Um, had, I, bet, I bet most of us in here know someone who's fighting for their life right now. Um, some of us have gone through a major shift, like a, a big move from maybe one community to another or maybe a state to another um, or a big shift in um, parents getting divorced. Some have lost um, the, the regularity of that, the um, familiarity of, of home, what home looks like. Um, some of us in here are battling lies and, and destructive thoughts and behavior in our minds right now. Some of you are sitting there and believe to the core whether you could say it or not, you believe to the core that you are not good enough. Some of you are sitting in here believing right now, whether you can admit it or not, believing that you are not enough. You're not smart enough. You're not fast enough, athletic enough, skinny enough, um, popular enough, uh, whatever, blank enough. Whatever that thing is that you're, you're chasing, uh, we probably could all fill in that blank. We're not, we're not enough. Um, some of us are battling habitual sin right now. Some of us are trapped right now in something that we just can't quit. We just can't get out of. We keep running back to this thing, this thing that, that we think is going to fulfill us or, or 
um, help us or make us feel better or get us out of this thing just one more time. It's not that big of a deal. And, and really what it is is addiction and we're trapped. Um, this all, whatever scenario of um, all of that tension you find yourself in right now, that is where the Israelites are right now as they're writing these poems. They're finding themselves reaping the consequences of their choice to choose sin over God. And they're utterly regretting it. They're utterly lamenting that we have chosen something else over God. Um, and we need to know together how to lament. We have to know how to regretfully, sorrowfully come before God and lament these things. Um, so disclaimer, today's talk doesn't really wrap up with like a bow. Um, I think Aaron mentioned that a couple weeks ago as well, but um, just FYI, it's not like really pretty by the end um, because this piece of our faith and our life with Christ doesn't always wrap up. If you're grieving something right now, that might be even comforting to you because grief, hi, isn't pretty and doesn't always wrap up with a bow. Um, so what I'd like to do is um, for our reading as we, we're going to go through the text together today, I would like a couple of um, just one volunteer to start, but we're, I'm going to have you guys read as we go. So would someone volunteer, thanks Abby, so nice of you to read Lamentations 5 just verse 1 to start. Just verse 1, yep. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Perfect. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Here's the first thing that lament does for us, the first thing that we need to know about lament. Lament is, gives us a chance to protest. This is what's happening here. Remember, Lord. Remember what has happened to us. Look on me and look at what has happened to me. Um, have you ever been part of a protest? Has anybody ever been part of a protest? What is the point? To be heard, to, to be seen, to bring attention to something that needs to be looked at, right? And, and I just, last night, I'm on fire for this because I just watched the trial of Chicago, Chicago 7. Somebody watch it. Um, and it's, it's all about a protest that happens in 1968 where there are thousands of people who go to Chicago um, to the Democratic National Convention to, to protest what's ha the Vietnam War and to, to send our troops home and, and all of this stuff. And, 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 and there's a line in the movie, and I can't remember it exactly, but it talks about if you don't, the, the city, the mayor, and the mayor's office isn't allowing um, any permits for the protest. It says no permits are allowed. And there's leader after leader after leader of party coming to him saying, we need a permit. We, we need a permit to peacefully protest because there are a thousand people coming, and there's a couple of people saying this, there's thousands of people coming to Chicago next week, whether you say yes or no, they're coming. And we need a permit so that we can do this peacefully and lawfully, we can protest what's happening, right? And he denied, they deny, they're denied the permits, and that's the whole story. They're denied the permits, and they, um, and he says, we need a, pay, a place 
to protest because we're going to protest. And if you don't give us a place to do it, we're going to explode. We're going to to explode. There's no, we are going to protest. And I feel like sometimes this is what happens in our faith when we get to this place. I think this is what hap- has happened for the Israelites is, is there's, there, they have to, we have to be able to protest what is happening to us. Um, we have to be able to bring to God the thing that we feel like should not be happening. God, my, why, how could you possibly let my parents get divorced? How could you possibly take my friend from me? How could you possibly let this person get sick? We have to be able to bring these heavy things before God and say, look, God, remember what has happened to me. Look at what has happened to me. God, remember me. Um, uh, I need somebody else to read. Who wants to read next? Rachel, thank you. Yeah, just start and I'll tell you when to stop. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become fatherless, our mothers are widows. We must buy the water we drink, our wood can, can be had only at a price. Those who pursue us are at our heels, we are weary and find no rest. We submitted to Egypt and Assyria to get enough bread. Our ancestors are sinned and are no more, and we bear their punishment. Slaves rule over us, and there is no one to free us from their hands. Who wants to read next? Awesome, thanks. Get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the desert. Our skin is hot as an oven, feverish from hunger. Women have been violated in Zion, and virgins in the town of Judah. Princes have been hung up by their hands. Elders are shown no respect. Young men toil at the millstones. Boys stagger under loads of wood. The elders are gone from the city gate. The young men have stopped their music. Perfect. You can hold on to it. The Israelites are listing out their, the transgressions. They're listing out their pain and their anger. They're listing out what has happened. Um, they believe and they know that this is wrong. They're protesting to God um, that everything, everything we have has been given to strangers. Strangers have taken our home. We've been separated from our families. We have to buy water and wood to burn to keep warm. Like, what is happening, God? They take each significant thing in their life right now, and they bring it before God. What if we felt that we could do this to God? What if, do we really feel like we can bring each significant thing that we have going on before God and say, God, why, how, what about this in my life? What about, why did that person say this to me? Why did that person treat me like this? Why is my grade so awful in this class that I've been working so hard in? There's nothing, whatever, God cares about the things of your heart that you care about. What if we you know, could feel the freedom to bring everything before God and say, look, God, remember me. Remember what has happened to me. Um, Help me in this. Um, Somebody read verse 15. Rita, will you read verse 15 for us? Thanks, Kelly. Joy is gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. Perfect. Joy is gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. So this is just continuing on in in what is happening. God, joy is completely gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. Second thing lamenting does for us, it gives us a chance to process. 
Lamenting is a chance to process our emotions, a chance to, to truly deeply bring things before God and just mourn. God, I am broken right now. I am broken over this. My dancing has turned to mourning, literally saying, I have no joy. Do you ever feel like you have to wear a mask to come to church? Right. <laughs> you can laugh. It's okay. Um, no. Do you feel like you have to put on a, a, a facade or a persona of this, of a happy person? Like, do, do you ever feel like you got to, like, be a person to walk in, be a specific type of person, or have, like, a certain attitude to come to church? I don't know. Maybe not for you guys. But I think sometimes for me, it feels like I have to come into church and be happy because this is the house of the Lord. And I think that's wrong because I think that if we can't bring every piece of who we are to this house of the Lord in worship, then what kind of worship is it? Um, the, the language of the Israelites is we have no joy. I am depressed. Is that a hard thing to say at church? Usually, yeah. Usually, very much so. And yet, the Israelites come before God. God includes this, these words in his divine scripture to us that people sat and wrote and poured their hearts out. And God said, put it in the canon. Let it be written so that generations and generations of believers will know that it's okay to say, I have no joy We'll know that it's okay to come to the house of the Lord and lament. Um, suffering in silence is not a virtue. That's what I take from this. Suffering in silence is not a virtue. So if you hear nothing else from this message this morning and you, um, you heard that we're talking about something sad and you just flicked a switch in your brain to stop listening because you're like, I can't even like handle more sadness, at least hear this. Suffering in silence is not a virtue. It's not how we were created. So if you are suffering and nobody knows, tell somebody. If you're suffering and nobody knows, or maybe you can't, haven't admitted it to yourself yet, talk to me, Josh, small group leaders. Any adult in this building cares about you and would love to hear what is going on. Suffering in silence is not a virtue. And God, I believe, is saying to us in this text, bring me your suffering. Lament gives us a chance to process, to protest, and to just pour out our actual emotions to God. Not only that, but I, I believe that God is asking us for that in these scriptures. Um, who would read next for us? Somebody read us. Frida will pass you the microphone. Anybody over here? Anybody over here maybe in this vicinity? Owen will read. Uh, we're in 16. We're on verse 16. So read through 20 for me. <laughs> the crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us for we have sinned. Because of this our hearts are faint. Because of these things our eyes grow dim. From Mount Zion, which lies desolate, with jackals prowling over it, you, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. 
Why do you always forget us? Why do you forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Awesome, thank you. Number three, um, lamenting gives us a chance to ponder, to ask questions of God, um, to voice confusion, to ask God why. Why would you, he, they say, why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us for so long? Um, it, it's so good. To, it starts, the crown has fallen from our head, right? So picture that. Uh, who do we tend to crown king and queen of our life? Us. So this is them saying and uh, acknowledging, the Israelites acknowledging, the crown has fallen from our head. We thought we were in charge, and that is apparently not the case anymore. Um, because of this, our hearts are faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. Um, you, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Um, the message version says, your throne is intact and eternal. First step, acknowledging that God is the king and then taking our questions to him. Then why? If you are king, then why have you forgotten me? Why have you forsaken me? I don't feel like we talk about this enough in church either, but suffering forces us to ask questions of God. Suffering in this world forces us to ask God why. And the Israelites are proving that. Why have you, for, if you're king, the crown has fallen from my head. You are king. Your throne is intact and eternal. Then why have you forsaken us? I, I am not, I'm saying ask questions of God, um, not question God. There's a difference there in questioning who God is and if he's in control versus asking him why this has happened, taking your questions to him. Um, your throne is intact and eternal, so because of that, why? How could you, how could you forsake us? And here's where we lament together, and here's, again, why it is important to do so, because of sin. Because we live in a broken world, bad things happen to good people. Right? Because we live in a world that isn't happening as God intended it. God intended the, the earth to be as Eden, right? He created this space and we chose sin. Not just Eve, not just this one um, girl who picked an apple, but we as humanity, any one of us would have made that choice for sin to put the, the crown on our own head. We continue to choose that, right? And so because of these um, consequences, we live in this world where bad things happen. If we can't talk to God about it, who can we talk to? Um, we have two more verses. Who will read 21 and 22 for us? Somebody over here. Olivia, thanks. It's really kind. It's really great because I just point at somebody and then you guys like kind of like raise your hand and it's going great. Thanks, Olivia. Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old. Unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. Thank you. Restore us to yourself that we may return. The message says, bring us back to you, God. We're ready to come back. Bring us back to you, God. Number four, lament gives us a chance to be put back together. Um, when we're mourning, it's because we have lost something. We have, we are broken. We have lost something. Lament is our invitation for God to make us whole again, to, to put us back together. 
to restore us to right relationship with him, to restore us to how he created us to be. And here at the, at the end of these five poems, this book of just, just utter, um, just everything, just broken, um, what I have I bring to you, Lord, like how could you have forsaken us at the end of this? The writer says, bring us back to you. Bring us back to you. We're ready to come back. Lamenting takes a lot of humility. Um, but I think that is what Lamentations is doing in the first place, is showing us, reminding us, telling us, saying that it's okay to say and acknowledge that life is hard. It's heartbreaking. We go through um, really, really hard things, but if we can't be honest about that with God, our relationship will never be real with him. Do you guys have any friends who, like, only want to hang out with you when you're in a good mood? I ha used to have friends like that, like, only really want to, or, like, like, are cool with, like, until you have something really heavy or until you have something hard, and then they're, like, ghosted. Like, I, I don't know if that's a thing. I had some friends, like, maybe I just had bad friends, but, like, that, like, that's not a real, tr you don't think of that as a, a friend that you can turn to when things are hard. You don't think of that as maybe a real friendship or a real relationship. It's the same with the Lord. With your relationship with God, if you can't bring him things when they're hard, if you, if you instead just turn from him and talk to your friends instead, if you feel like you can't be sad to God or you feel like you can't protest what your needs and desires and wants and concerns are to God, if you feel like you can't process your um, real emotions with him, he's never going to be able to put you back together. He's never going to be able to enter into that experience. And I'm not saying just put a Band-Aid on it and, like, fix you because you're not, you are broken. But I'm not saying just put a Band-Aid on it and, like, move on. Grief is hard and looks like a lot of different things. Healing from grief looks like a million different things. But God can be in that with you if you let him. Um, protesting, processing pondering, being put back together. Like these are, are the things of this process of, of lamenting. And I really wanted to skip this uh, series. Like I really wanted to, when we first started talking about it, I was like, we don't really need to do the mourning thing probably because we like, that's a lot of weeks to talk about things that are sad. But that wouldn't have been faithful to God's word. And it wouldn't have been faithful to being honest and humble about who we are and where we're actually at. That wouldn't have been faithful to you. Because if you're not in that season right now, um, praise God. But you will be one day. Um, and these are foundational truths that probably and most likely if you're in that season right now, you're probably not hearing a word of this. Um, so maybe go back and listen to it later. Have a friend tell you, like somebody else that was in here, like tell you what they got out of it because it might come better from them. I don't know. Like there's this thing about when we're in it, it's like way harder to hear truth. Um, but if you're not in that place now, you will be one day. And so I just ask that God would build this foundation for us for when the trials do come. Um, and then that last verse just leaves it hanging. Like I said, it doesn't end with a bow. Restore us back to yourself, Lord. Give us, give us a fresh start unless you have utterly rejected us. Um, unless you're too angry to see us again. And that's it. That's the end. Like, restore us back unless you don't, you don't really want to. 
and I think more than more than anger, like I, as I think about the writer who's writing these words and saying, like, God, restore us back unless you just, unless you don't want to, I think more than, like, the writer being angry, I think the writer is being humble. I think the writer is saying, like, God, unless, unless we are too broken to come back in your presence, unless we are just just beyond repair. If we just can't, we couldn't possibly be be fixed enough to come back before your throne, then forsake us, right? But that's the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus comes into the scene and he gives us that entrance to the foot of the throne. Tim Keller says the gospel is that we are more sinful and flawed than we would ever dare to believe. But at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared to hope. We're more broken than we could possibly fathom. But we are more loved than we could ever dare to dream. And so that is lament, and that is this season of Lent as we look towards the cross and look towards Jesus' resurrection at Easter and celebrating that together. We are more broken than we can picture, than we can figure out we are so broken. But because of that, Jesus stepped in and loved us and accepts us more than we could ever dare to even hope that he's our Savior. So let's pray. God, um, we bring our despair to you. Um, whether that's um, in the chair that we're in right now, in this moment in our life, or if that's something that we've been through in the past that we've never dealt with, or that's something in the future that we don't even know what's coming, God, we bring you our despair. And I just ask, God, that you would write these, these truths of who you are and what you are willing to bear for us and, and to hear from us. I pray that you would write those on our hearts, that we know that you care so deeply for us, more than we could ever, ever dare to hope. God, we love you, and we thank you for your son and sending him as a sacrifice for our sins. We are so grateful. Amen.